This is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben. I'm the senior pastor at Historic Trinity Church in downtown Savannah. I'm passionate about following Jesus, loving my family, enjoying all sports involving a ball, and a constant pursuit to find the perfect bottle of bourbon. And I'm Molly, a Methodist from the West Coast, but after moving to Savannah a few years ago, I found a home in Trinity and a friend of Ben's. My greatest joy in life is simply sitting on the front porch with my husband, my crazy dog, and a great bottle of red wine. Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Ben. Um, Welcome to Faith Revisited. Thank you so much for listening and we're really excited to get this next episode going. Um, In this episode two, we're gonna hit on what our church looks like and churches in general now with the ebbs and flow of growth that have happened over the last generation. We'll also touch on religious engagement, both locally and nationwide, and where we see the future taking shape for our church and maybe churches in general. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if we look back over the last 20 years or so, uh, I'm 37 now. How old are you? I will be 30 this year. You're so young. Um, (laughs) So 37 means that I was in high school youth group uh, if we were to go back 20 years, which is kind of hard to believe that it was all the way 20 years ago now. Yeah. Um, but Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and so I think churches in general over the last 20 years have really seen a, 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 probably a myriad of ebbs and flows. Like I remember 20 years ago um, would be like the late 90s, right? Yeah. So we'd be coming like on the cusp of what came to be known as the worship wars. Do you know about the worship wars? Kind of. Why don't you? So, so the idea being, and I think this kind of got born in the late 70s, 80s, and really got ramped up in the 90s. But I remember my church growing up kind of went through a little bit of this, which is, you know, we've always had this uh, structured, traditional, liturgical worship with hymnals and, you know, just very traditional elements in it. And the rage became... If you want to reach new people, you got to have a band. Praise band. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we had a little group that met. I remember this was happening. I mean, I think all churches probably have tried to touch base with what works for them. But for my church personally, I remember it was around the junior high youth group time frame. And there was like a little side room, maybe down in the basement where a praise band, someone with a guitar and a drum set and some singers would go. And that would kind of be the pre-worship service. Yeah. And, and, and I think there are many good, uh, well-intentioned things that led to saying we should do things in a new way. You know, the idea that, well, new people maybe don't want to see traditional elements 
elements, and it's off-putting a little bit if, if they've had a bad experience of church. So, or if they don't know it at all. Right, exactly. If you you don't want to go into a room and feel ignorant, right? So, so rather than this this big gaudy worship space, let's just have a plain room and music that sounds like what they listen to on the radio, and then a relatable message, you know, to go along with it, and it kind of pairs down worship to be mostly music and message, right? Um, and so, twenty years ago would have put us right at the cusp of that really becoming a dividing issue in churches because while it was well-intentioned, not every church lived into different ways of worship well. Uh-huh. Like my home church, it, it, it was a dividing issue. We'd always done hymnals and traditional worship, and all of a sudden this group wants to start doing this other thing. And and by nature, they they uh, happen often in two different rooms in the church. Yep. And so it becomes two different worlds in the church. And, and the, competing almost. Oh, always, yeah. always, right? And so um, the the <clears throat> the people who who love traditional worship they don't know how to feel enough was the was the thought like they, <laughs> yeah. they, it's just boring and rote and you know all this memory stuff and then the ones who want the other stuff all they want to do is feel and they don't appreciate traditional elements or whatever it may be so uh-huh. 20 years ago would have put us kind of at the heart of that issue potentially dividing churches and what's funny is I don't know in your experience but in mine that issue in most circles has kind of diffused to the point that either you have a contemporary service that you started back then still or you don't Uh but you've kind of made up your mind that yeah I don't really see churches doing both You know, whether it be an outside element, like I remember we always had for youth, there was always a certain time where we did kind of more praise band type thing or an outside activity with other churches. But I don't really see churches, for example, like Trinity doing a contemporary service and a traditional service or splitting the time that way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Very few churches do both anymore. And, And I think the ones that do, do it. It, it, they fall into one of two categories. Either one, which I think is probably the majority, I don't have research to back any of this up, but I think the majority of churches that do both, one of the services is probably a better quality than the other, okay. but at this point, you don't stop doing either because you do have a community. Well, in some of those mega churches, like out in Texas or other areas that I've visited throughout life, you know, they have very distinct this is a traditional service at this time, and here is a progressive praise band, whatever it may be called at this time. And yeah, it's a totally different yeah. divide, but they, I guess they are doing both. Yeah, and, and, and some can do it really well. I think many, you know, could probably, um, it's, it's a hard balance of trying to find what's faithful worship, and we could probably do a whole episode on that, yes. versus what is um, venturing into too much of consumer preference. Yep. And that's where the worship wars got fueled was consumerism. Like, I want whatever makes me feel good, whether it's traditional or contemporary or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. The other thing that's kind of funny is it's kind of hard to call it contemporary worship anymore when it's well over 20 years old. Yes. (laughs) It's not contemporary anymore. There's actually tradition behind some of that, too. So, yeah, twenty. the last 20 years has been interesting because... um, one of the interesting things that I found is people go to church in different ways than they did 20 years ago. Okay. So you're from California. Yes. What have you seen in terms of church attendance and, and preferences of worship? How do people go to church in your experience growing up? Well, I come from a very 
traditional church, um, big sanctuary. I just remember when I was young, and my mother was also baptized in the same church that I was, so we have a long history, family history there. Um, I always remember growing up, there seemed to be a lot of people. It was very serious. You wear your dress and your, you know, tights and your fancy shoes, um, and that's that's changed a lot. And now it's a little more easygoing. There's probably less people there. And I mean, people are busy on Sundays. You have things going on now. So I just don't think, I think in general, the growth has hit snags and it's if churches adapt well or not. Yeah. So more and more research shows that people are going to church less frequently. I can remember as a kid, we might've missed two Sundays out of the year which meant I was in church 50 out of 52 Sundays a year. Wow. As a pastor, if you were to say, define what an active church member is, well, now it's a range. I have some people who come 50 out of 52 Sundays. That's fairly rare, though. What's more common is every other week people, once a month people, or once every two months people, right? And, and all of them in their own ways are active. I define all Correct. of them as active. But here's the funny thing. Like, if you do the math, we went to church 50 out of 52 Sundays mm-hmm. a year. Well, if you go every other week, all of a sudden that number drops from 50 to 26 times a year you're in worship. Wow. And once a month, it's down to 12. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? 12 times attending Sunday. Yeah. But for you, when you think about it, once a month... That's, you know. Yeah, and, and it's not a judgment call at all. Correct. It's not it's not that they're, no one's bad. It's just different ways of engaging uh, the church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the longer I'm in pastoral ministry, the more and more I'm convinced um, of a couple of things. One is worship more and more needs to go to the people and not just expect people to come to it. Okay. So you and I have been talking, for example, in our church for a while. And I'll, I mean, I'll let you talk about it uh, briefly. What's one of our big goals for worship this year? Live streaming. We really want to live stream. Yeah. And so Christmas Eve, we did that. Yep. Your husband, Thomas, set yes. us up for it. Yeah, he stood in the balcony the whole time and filmed it, and it was great. Um, and we had quite a few views mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve, the people who weren't able to make it there um, for whatever reason it may be. Um, live stream is huge, and this is something that you and I have been talking about, and maybe other churches are going through this. But, for I mean, the logistical aspect is really our holdup right now because it's, you know, how do we make sure the Internet connection's there and it's going and our choir. You know, how do we make sure we highlight the choir and also the sermon, which are on two different sides of the church. Um, But people want live stream, not just to be lazy and stay at home. It's because there's a reason they can't be there and they're still fully invested. So tell a story. We had uh, a church member recently. She has a a little baby. Yes. A few months old. And Uh she contacted you on a Sunday morning. What'd she say? Yeah. She had texted me and said, we got, we were in the car, we were on our way there, and baby E just projectile vomited everywhere, and she's like, we had nothing else to do but go home, and I, w- I was ready, I want, you know, we need live stream, Molly, get live stream. Yeah, absolutely. So, one of the churches that I would highlight, and we'll put in the show notes, okay. is um, Christ Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois. It's, I think, a burb of Chicago. Uh, Shane Bishop is the pastor there, and I've been researching them for some time because if you go on the Christ Church website, uh, mychristchurch.com, they have 
you look at their live stream archive and you say, wow, that's a high quality video production. It's just live streaming. It is the best Facebook live worship I have ever seen. Uh, now they have quality cameras. They do it in a very quality way. But the beauty is they're not spending tons of money on a platform for online streaming, they're just using a free one called Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of our big goals, and it's just the logistics of getting the internet. But do you think people, you know, when churches are turning to live stream, is this a cop out for people? Like, are people not going to come to church because there's a live stream and they can do it from their couch? That's, you know, that's a great question. I think that's an assumption that natural, uh, that naturally comes from quote church people. <laughs> uh, Carrie Newhoff is is a great church planter, and he's got a huge podcast, much bigger than ours. Um, one day, <laughs> one day we'll catch up with you, Carrie, and you'll have us on your new on your podcast. But Carrie has produced. Uh, he does a lot of these like seven ways to do this, ten ways of this, mm-hmm. and one of his deals, uh, he does like a first of the year thing, like his predictions for the year. <clears throat> And Carrie has started pushing back on the church insider um, prejudice that says, well, live stream is just an excuse to stay home. So whereas the website used to be, your church website used to be kind of like um, someone window shopping you, Yeah. now it's the online church. Oh, so people who haven't necessarily come and they want to check it out. They're going to check because it's a lot safer to sit at home on their couch (laughs) and check you out than to go and feel potentially feel awkward in your pews. Yeah. And so online worship is not a cop out. Oh, it's a new marketing material. Exactly. And so if churches could start to see online worship as this is how people window shop churches now. Uh Uh-huh. I think they would put a much greater emphasis on getting material out into the digital world. People don't want to go to church cold anymore. They don't want to go there guessing are they going to enjoy it. If there's an opportunity to know that they're going to enjoy it, they'll do that. And guess what happens? The people who engage online, they actually do come on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And your Sunday morning regulars actually do engage if because 50 out of 52 Sundays life's more unpredictable these days and you know there's all kinds of things pulling at you but they will actually go catch up and uh, and watch that we have people have uh, our YouTube channel with video sermons if I forget by like Wednesday in fact a couple weeks ago I forgot to put two weeks in a row up just busy yeah I had a church member complain to me Wow. She's like, are you not uploading sermons anymore? And I'm like, well, I forgot. She said, you know, I've missed the last couple Sundays. I was wanting to catch up on See, the series. and that's a good point to tie back into. If people can only be physically in church for two Sundays a month because work or sports or kids <clears throat> or life happens. I, My husband and I travel a lot certain times a year um, for work, and we're gone for, we were gone all of January the past two years. And... That's how you keep people engaged. So interesting conversation that, that I want to I want to tie in here. I had an experience yesterday. Uh, we did a TV interview about our um, addiction and recovery ministry and how um, our faith partners has now spawned into this interfaith uh, addiction recovery coalition now throughout mm-hmm. the community. Uh-huh. Um, really cool stuff. We should put a link to that in the show we notes will, as well. Definitely. So we did a little short TV interview about how churches are coming together to educate faith leaders on just understanding issues around. Um, addiction and recovery better. And so we were talking after the interview, and the guy interviewing said, well, it's going to be on the 5 o'clock and the 6 o'clock episode of the local news. And and I said, great, when's it going on Facebook? And he said, he just laughed, and he said, you know, that's replacing 
the the nightly yeah. news and he's like I hate it I'm an old guy um, I think you should be in front of your TV at 5 and 6 o'clock but he said you'd be surprised how many people they, they can't be in front of their TV but they want I don't it. have cable anymore right I, right? I don't pay for TV right I, I literally cannot watch the news live and he said we talk about it at the news station all the time but if we don't get the material out there that's the new form of engaging the news I think the same is true for church. Not that it replaces it, Correct. but it supplements it in yeah. such a great way. Either someone's going to come to your church physically once every four to six weeks, or they're going to come once every four to six weeks, visit online three or four other weeks. And then what I'm convinced happens is if you continue to engage them, that four to six weeks of physical presence becomes twice a month physical presence. Because they prioritize it. They connect it's become, deeper. It's become a part of their life. Yep. And so you reach them in a very intentional way. So worship needs to go to people as much as encouraging people to come uh, to worship. So we we talked about before the episode uh, in in planning all this, we wanted to kind of talk through briefly what Sunday morning looks like for us. And I want to make it conversational because you are such an integral part of Sunday morning um, in terms of planning and execution. So tell everybody what you do. With greeters? Yes. Yes. So I am, quote unquote, in charge of greeter ministry and hoping to grow that. Um, And so basically how it came to me is, you know, you stick two greeters out in front um, on a Sunday and they pass out the bulletins and, you know, a friendly, welcoming face. But we're turning more towards this radical hospitality view of putting the welcome mat outside the door. And so from what it's developing is, you know, how to best make people feel comfortable. And especially we're planning for Easter Sunday. You know, I need triple the greeters that I would have on a Sunday because I want people out on the street corner. I want floaters walking around for the people that get there early, really just making this something that you feel welcome at. And that's kind of um, where my focus is. There are different theories, but I've heard ranges anywhere from Uh, three minutes, five minutes, all the way down to like 12 seconds, somebody decides whether or not they're coming back to worship with you again. And so what you do with the greeter ministry, and and we we love to use that phrase, put the welcome mat outside the door for people, Um, but to engage somebody before they cross that threshold of of coming, and we have a pretty, it's beautiful, but it's a daunting threshold. It's a historic church, right? Very large doors. Humongous red doors. Yeah. And, and so to put them at ease before they even cross that threshold. And what's been great is also the little kiddos, your daughter and her friends, pass out bulletins. Um, they've been helping sometimes and come out, and they love seeing the kids run up to them with, here's your Sunday bulletin. What better to put you at ease than a seven-year-old wanting to hand exactly. you a bulletin and smile at you? Yeah, and almost a competition of yeah. who is going to give you the bulletin first. But you know what's neat about that competition is for the girls – it's a competition, but what they don't realize is that what they're subtly saying to that newcomer is you're so important. We want to fight for your attention. And it to gives life. You. It mm-hmm. gives life to the church. Um, another thing we do right before um, worship on Sundays is coffee. Now we allow coffee into the sanctuary. I, do. It was a big it, it, it was a big deal to do it. And I think there are probably still a couple people who don't love it, but there's no complaining. So there was a gal, um, a very nice woman that came for the first time this past Sunday, and I was a greeter. Um, and she walked up the steps and, you have coffee? I can bring coffee inside? This was just a 
her mind, I could visibly see her light up as, um, wow, that's so amazing. I didn't have time to grab coffee right before I came. Like, thank you so much. And, you know, I stopped by, we were out in the front. So I was like, you know, right down here, there's more coffee you can go get that. And so I followed up with her during, you know, the time where we passed the piece and say, did you get your coffee? Are you good? And, um, that was just, a turning point for a you know a first time visitor. See, and that's first I've heard this story. That's awesome. Yeah. It was such a big deal because of our historic church and the yes. historic nature of it. Everyone's afraid to break anything, and and I can remember stories where people just I mean they're deathly afraid to bring food or drink into the sanctuary, and so finally one day just. Y'all, the parlor is a parlor because it should be a welcome space. Mm-hmm. There's now coffee in it. You and can donuts. Eat. I, there Everyone are, stops in to get a donut hole before coming in. There is a desk drawer I found with a sign probably a decade or more old, because we don't churches don't throw anything away, yeah. that literally says... <laughs> Ever. Please, if you look at the room we're in right now, oh yeah, there's we never minutes throw anything from the away. 40s. Yeah. yeah. But this sign was tucked away from 10 plus years ago uh, um, that says... Please do not eat or drink in the parlor. <laughs> and I just thought that's the craziest thing because you have this great space where people can talk. It's a gathering. It's become a gathering. Why not? And so every Sunday we have a coffee station. We have Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. um, Munchkins, and full-size donuts. Yeah. If I can get in here in time for a full-size donut, yeah, that's always They cool. go quick. They do. <laughs> they go really quick. But the key is we have tops for the coffee, and all we do is say, hey, take it to the sanctuary. Just put a top on it, you know? No big deal. Well, and that's no big deal for people. Yeah. The fact that they can sit and enjoy their coffee in the pew while starting worship, it's yeah. light years. And people look forward Talk to it. about his... reaching outside people, like right. a way to make them feel comfortable in your Well, and, and, and so I tell people what coffee does for you, and I would tell uh, contemporary church plants get this, but this is what I would tell to the most basic, like traditional church if you don't have coffee on sunday morning you're missing an opportunity before beforehand and tell people to please bring it inside because what better way to say you are welcome here than a warm cup of coffee yeah and to say if you spill it it's no big deal it's a basic human nature and sanctuaries are pretty resilient they've yeah. been around for quite a long they can time be they can handle a spill of coffee yes, if it, heaven forbid that happens uh, what's more important a spill of coffee or a potential life being changed for christ and a new member boom it's amazing boom yeah so sunday mornings you know once you get into the building we do have a traditional worship service um we sing from hymnals we have a beautiful 1948 fully restored Muller pipe organ. Ooh, uh-huh. It is gorgeous. The church did a, thank God it was before my time that they had to restore <laughs> it. It was a few hundred thousand dollars, but Ooh. they did. It's a great instrument. Um, our choir wears, I mean, uh, cathedral robes. And that's new. Our music director yeah. came in a few months ago, um, and we had... Gotten, gotten, gotten lax, right? Lax with the choir. Yeah, we took relaxed downtown Savannah, and, and it was just relaxed, and he kind of upped the ante a little bit, so we're a little bit more formal there. But yet, you can still come in shorts if you want. Tourists are welcome. Jeans, no big deal. Um, even some more, more formal folks, I've noticed, have, have kind of stopped wearing the ties. Or yeah. like the hats don't come anymore as often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a good mix and no one really judges. So that's the good part about being in a tourist town. Um, I wear, you know, an alb and a stole. I mean, it's it's, it's fairly formal, but it's very traditional. Um, we see now a good mix of generations. Very, a big mix of generations. Yeah. yeah. I remember the Sunday that there was a turning point in welcoming more younger people because the congregation skewed older about four years ago. And over the last three years, we've really 
mixed it up more and more. And I remember the Sunday that I think there was a turning point when I, we were about to process in and the hymn had started. Uh, one of our veteran members, um, a wonderful woman, beautiful, but she has gray hair. She leaned over and grabbed me before I walked down the aisle and she said, um, there are more people with dark hair this morning than gray hair like me. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's a big deal. She's noticed that something's changed. And so we're reaching a, a wider swath. So there's a lot of families, young families. Mm-hmm. There was a ba- There is a baby boom. There's a ton of new babies. Um, families, there is single moms, um, couples who have decided not to have children, sure. um, middle aged retirees. There is a good population snowbirds. of snowbirds. Snowbirds. People who are only here for a few months out of the year and hightail it out at We get them from three months upwards of nine plus months out of the year. That would be nice. And and the snowbirds are wonderful additions, and then we usually lose them for the summer because they're smart enough to go back north. Yeah. Um, where it's dreadfully hot down here. It's very hot. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, we see. And what's funny is... Um, Lat so so in 2017 we saw the largest influx of new younger members and children and families, but in 2018 I pointed this out to people because they think oh we have all these new young people well the truth is we have new everybody because in 2018 I had more baby boomers join the church than 45 and under. Life follows life. Explain that a little bit. So I have this working theory that says. If you aim younger, all right, well, if you don't aim younger, you're not going to reach anybody. But if you say, look, if we need more younger people, let's aim there, you get everybody. Because people of all ages want to follow life. There is no louder sound in, the, in a church than the sound of silence in the children's wing. Yeah. People don't care if a child is loud in worship nearly as much as they care that that children's wing is deserted. That's depressing. Yeah. And I've watched people of all ages, especially older people, come alive in this church because of children running everywhere. And they are running everywhere. Literally. I mean, it is a sign of life. You have that hubbub. You have Mm -hmm. that excitement. You keep people on their toes. People of all ages want to be a part of it. And so... um, you can reach people of all ages, but but you got to find the energy and you got to drive toward that. And children tend to bring that. And it's not to be prejudiced against anybody, yeah. but it's just to say, if we aim there, we'll get everybody. Yeah, I don't have that much energy anymore. So right, right. <laughs> and 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 what older uh, person doesn't want to be an adopted grandparent? They exactly. love watching children do do their things. So well, that's and grow up and even like the children's worship moment, mm-hmm. you know, that has been growing exponentially. I mean, what was the numbers when you were here? Um, so we were averaging um we averaged probably in the sixties. Uh a typical Sunday was anywhere from forty to seventy. Um you know, when when I started um, this past Sunday, we had 135. We've been trending this year 125 and up. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've we've kind of seen that over the last three years, pretty much double in size. Um, yeah, and it's been and an it's array a of wide ages. variety of mm-hmm. people. Because what you're saying, the first year it was really young families, and and that is a mirror of who you are. You have sure. a wife, two young kids, so naturally those people are going to be attracted to it. But um, it's very interesting that that's not just the case. Well, and so one other interesting point, and I would challenge churches to look at this number, and it's a number that's harder to measure than average worship attendance. Average worship attendance says who's here on average on a given Sunday. Well, we just said earlier. 
people have different frequencies to which yeah. they come. So measure reach. R-E-A-C-H. Reach. reach. Reach is the number that says if all of the people of different frequencies came on the same Sunday, if they all accidentally showed up on the same day, how many would that be? And one of the best Sundays is actually coming up to measure reach. Easter. Easter Sunday. Yeah. So interestingly, more and more research is saying that your time to reach new people is actually Christmas when new people are looking for churches, Easter has become like homecoming Sunday. Everybody okay. and anybody who's connected to your church in any way, whether it's once a year, we'll be there once a month, they Easter all Sunday. come on that Sunday. That's a great way to measure your reach. And so for us, I would say our reach is is probably not counting visitors, not counting once a year, but I mean, our very regular folks is closer to 180 wow. uh, plus. Yeah. That if I could just convince them all to come on the same day. Yeah. Just show up. Just show up at the Sunday. same time. It would yeah. be incredible. That um, would fill our sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, and our and Easter. So Easter will be that, and then we get a good number more um, through visitors. So my first Sunday mm-hmm. ever at Trinity was Easter Sunday. Yeah. Two Sunday, two Easter's ago. Two years ago. Two years yeah. Ago. Five days after my son was born. Yep. It was a little side note, but um, Ben had just had Katie had just had Sam and. Mm-hmm. You were probably running on no sleep. None. And you gave the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. And that I was there on Easter because I was like, well, I haven't been to church in a while. Let me try this one out. And I have been a regular ever since. And if listeners caught what she said, Molly's been coming for two plus years and I've never preached a better sermon than that first <laughs> one. Still measure, trying to measure up to that first one. It must have been the sleep deprivation. Yeah, maybe you know? so. Maybe you so. You like cut yourself off from sleep for a few days before. Yeah. I re- right. I remember, I, re- I don't remember anything about that day except a great crowd. I remember you visited and I emailed you because I always try to contact visitors almost immediately um, after worship to apologize. I'm glad you're here, but I won't see you for the next couple weeks. Yep. I'm on paternity leave. Yes. But please come back. Yeah, please show up again. Yeah, yeah, please come back again. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, before we let our listeners go, I want to talk very briefly, and this could almost like morph into a, an episode unto itself. The need for side doors. Okay, explain what a side door is. So a side door, we always think about bringing people into the church through the front doors, right? Ours is very intimidating. Ours big red front doors. So bring them in through the front doors. Side doors is kind of a um, a, a cliche almost that, that that's coming for a code word for ways beyond the Sunday morning worship experience. It could be intimidating for a new person to come to worship and come through this big threshold of these daunting doors for a fancy service that they may or may not fully be comfortable with or understand. Yeah. Maybe they're watching you online. Maybe not. Maybe you don't have online. So maybe you need to think about side doors. Side doors to say if they're not going to come on Sunday morning, what's a mission project we could do in the community and invite them? Or a family activity to say, hey, bring this new family. You don't have to invite them on Sunday morning. Let, let's go to the park one day, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and those side doors become sideways of engaging people that will eventually bring them into the main space called Sunday morning worship. And is it more than just like social times? Like you were saying, a mission day, that would be another side door. Yeah. What are some other things at Trinity? Oh, gosh. Uh, so side doors, you know, it can be anything from inviting people to a small group 
which is okay. really great. Uh, one of our most successful ones is the Band of Mothers. Yes. Uh, our Moms Small great Group. Name. Yeah, moms will invite other moms, and they come, and they study, and they share, and they support. That The three S's, right? Study, share, and support. And that's what they do for each other once a month. And so that's a great side door for a new person to get comfortable and have a great experience at the yeah. church. And they're already connected. When they walk in on a Sunday, they know some That's right. They've already met that's people. That's the key. And that's, so you just define the key to side doors in general. Whether it's a small group, a service project, or a social gathering, they're connecting with people ahead of time. So so there's, there's two types of people. Uh, two types of uh, connection that people are looking for when they engage with your church. Either people know God and they want to know people, or people know people and they want to know God. And that really, run thinking about that, it runs the gamut of mm-hmm. people at Trinity. Yeah. Um, a lot, Savannah is a lot of people moving from somewhere else, mm-hmm. whether it be for jobs or school or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Um, that's how I came here. Yeah. Um, and I was looking for people. I knew God. I knew that I, what I wanted in a faith service, mm-hmm. um, and Trinity is where I found those people. And I can tell you stories, uh, uh, and that's a compelling story, and equally compelling stories of you know, maybe somebody like you, and, and we have one in the church, I'm thinking about that, a relatives just started coming, hadn't been to church in years, and now they're super active. Well, that person didn't know God as well then, they do now, but they knew the connection with this person yeah. who said, come to church with me, I think you'll actually like it. And they go from a, I'm not a church person, to almost every Sunday they're in church. Yeah. So there's both types of connection that churches need to foster. People who who know people but want to know God and people who know God but want to know people. And so you have to think of the life of the church from worship and beyond to how can we connect people to God and how can we connect people to people. And then be very clear about, about those avenues to connect all that. That's great. Um, Well, that is going to wrap up this episode. Um, Thank you so much for this discussion. Um, Hopefully it's helpful for our listeners. Um, Please remember to rate us on iTunes. um, Leave us a review. um, Also follow us on social media and let us know where you're listening from. See you next time.